Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast. Keeping it real. We're keeping it real again. Chris Carl is we're, here with me. We're really keeping it real. This we're we're going to keep it realer than we have ever have before. We didn't keep it real with our box office prediction. No, our, our, that's the one thing we, we can never keep real. We keep it really <laughs> shitty, if that's what we mean. Um, yet again, another another record weekend uh. for us. Um, grossly overestimating That's My Boy and the drawing power of Adam Sandler and morons. And you know what? I'm really happy we overestimated that rather I than underestimated it. I am, too. It. Although I hear it's not as horrible as... You know, his last couple of efforts. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but uh, again, I apologize, and I'll probably apologize <laughs> throughout the podcast about my prediction, which was grossly off base. Well, the first two movies uh, remain the same as last weekend. It was Madagascar 3 in first place, this time with $34.1 million. I was close on my number. Yeah, we were we were close on, on what, on Madagascar being in the 30s. Chris, you were very close. You had a 33. I had a 39. Uh, and then Prometheus remained second place with $20.7 I was close on my number with that, too. Yeah, so you were you were, you were just grossly <laughs> off with everything <laughs> else. Everything else for us. Uh, um, Rock of Ages actually did better than That's My Boy, not by much. They both were flops. Um, Rock of Ages third place with 14.4, followed by That's My Boy with 13.5. Snow White and the Huntsman, 13.5 as well. Hey, guess who's no longer a box office draw? Take your pick, Tom Cruise or Adam Sandler. You know, the thing is, Cruise was the best thing on that movie, I thought. Yeah. you know, But, but I think Sandler still... Well, you know, you can't really say that because look how well Mission Impossible Four did. Yeah, you know, I think I think Cruise. It just depends on. I think the movie just looked bad to people, and they were like, "Why would I spend money to go see this when yeah. I can just?" It's a rental, or you watch it on cable. Some movies, I think, given how great home theaters have become, I mean, why go out and spend that much money on something that looks like you'll just watch it in front of the TV and fall asleep? You know, what's interesting is now. If I, it's almost like now if I miss a screening, like if I don't screen a movie ahead of time or see it within the first week, a lot of times I'm like, well, I'll catch that on Blu-ray. Yeah, it'll because be out in Blu-ray in 90 days months, or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's on three months. It's like, I, I feel like the shortening of that window is, it's really good for studios and consumers. But exhibitors hate it. Exhibitors hate it. Because, I mean, that's why people really aren't going to the movies because it used to be that, well, it's not the only reason but you know you'd have to wait six months or a while for something to come out in blu-ray like i feel like sherlock holmes game of shadows took forever to come out on blu-ray yeah but that's rare you know like the the window of time is shrunk so much and they're pushing it and pushing and pushing it and now you have things like vod and you know day and date sometimes even before it comes out in theaters um you have hdnet doing sneak peeks of movies ahead of time it's uh, it's really interesting. I, I'm I'm actually as a consumer, as a video, uh, as a movie lover, um, it's it's really nice because you know you, for those things that you, that you're on the fence about, you're like, well, I like it. I like watching movies better at home for a lot of a lot of things. Like yeah. I would see eighty percent of the movies that come out, I'd rather watch at home. Yeah, I mean most anything that's a, a drama or a comedy, I feel I could probably wait and see it at home. Uh, unless it's a real kind of uh, audience experience type movie. Speaking of comedy, I watched Wanderlust. 
last night. Yeah, how was it? Have you seen it? No. Um, There's one moment in that movie, and I'm just going to recommend this movie purely based on that one moment. And the the rest of it's fine. You know, it's by David Wayne, who did uh, Wet Hot American Summer, and he did... um, Role Models. Role Models, yeah. Yeah. And... uh, and it, I mean, the, the whole movie is good. Jennifer Aniston, fine. Paul Rudd, though, so funny. Yeah. There's one scene in particular. He's doing like a almost like a monologue in front of a mirror that okay. seems seems like improv, but is you know really really funny. So I recommend it. Wanderlust out on Blu-ray right now. Uh, let's let's jump into some of the the news of the week. Ninja Turtles got Teenage shut mutant. down. Well, Teenage not- Mutant. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Continue. So, no, I was going to just say like that part got hacked off. That's right. It did. Chris has had some for, is that a latte or something you're Yeah, drinking? it's peyote latte. Yeah, cuz you are amped, dude. Um, well, that's actually, awesome. you know, it's weird is that I have been cutting way back on caffeine and I think and it's, that's why if you have I had a, one sip of this coffee here and already off you're to like, the races. You're like doing lines off a stripper's ass now all of a sudden. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I did those before and, <laughs> exactly. and then well, I drank the, the coffee. The coffee was meant to bring you down. Exactly. It's clearly not working. Um, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ninja Turtles gets uh, was shut down. Uh, it's not it's not dead, but it's been um, postponed from a December 2013 release to May 2014. Now, mind you, this news broke just after we had recorded our last podcast, so yeah, it's a, it's a little it's a little old at this point. But stale. but um, you know, it's apparently got script problems, and they had to lay off some of the pre-production Go stuff. Go, Go figure. figure! A movie about Ninja Turtles well, has script problems. You know, Scott Scott Kalur, who wrote up the piece for us, kind of surmised that, or he wrote. Up, um, I'll give you a sneak pre- peek of what's going to happen in weekly. Wood I thought you want to say a sneak prick. <laughs> I'm like, I, dude, that's something we can do without. <laughs> yeah, we can do without there. Um, we were talking. He was talking about like he, you know, speculating that he thinks that probably the alien element is going to get cut out of it now or reworked possibly. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know if I, I don't, totally I agree don't with think. That. I, I think it's got more to do with the fact that Paramount has apparently shot. Three major tentpole stinkers in a row that have all had to have massive overhauling done: Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, GI Joe Two, and World War Z. As Those a, are three very costly delays, and their entire the rest of their slate for this year, and until really until Star Trek opens up next year, is pretty pretty meek. <laughs> we're right looking now. at Comic Con this year, and, and we were talking about this last time how yep. how some people aren't coming to Comic Con, and Paramount really has no reason to come. Apparently, to you need to have yeah. movies if you're <laughs> a studio going to Comic Con. Yeah. You actually have something. You have to have something that you're going to release. Yeah, but uh, it, it is looking kind of bleak for them, especially in the sector of movies that we care about. You know, yeah, they've got I mean, other stuff, but well, they have a Katy Perry movie, but I don't think that. I mean, didn't well, they also put out that Jonas Brothers movie? Yeah, there's kind? Jonas Brothers. There's the Glee movie. Oh, you the know, Justin Bieber one. They didn't come out with that, but um, you know, there are those other movies that you know. Yeah, do you ish. do you feel like that that kind of thing is kind of sailed that ship has sailed now the concert movie we'll see what happens with Katy perry but i think if this one is not a success they probably won't do it although yeah. i have to say not that expensive to produce not that expensive to produce but it's still um i mean the glee movie really wasn't that expensive to produce but it was a huge flop yeah still even at that even at what it cost to, to make the relative low budget it's still underperformed <laughs> when that movie hit though it was already during sort of the falling action of Glee. It was like critics yeah. were starting to bail out and stuff like that. And I feel like that is 
that it's a problem with musicians, straight up musicians who just have a career, you know. Yeah, it's and not also, tied to a show. I mean, TV shows do seem to have this, um, especially ones that become kind of pop culture phenomenons. Uh, even if they're not like fanboy centric ones, like, let's say something like Desperate Housewives or Grey's Anatomy or whatever, they do seem to be sort of shooting stars. They yeah. have essentially a very narrow window of time to make their mark on on pop culture, develop a fan pay- base, and then it almost instantly just implodes. Yeah. Agree. Okay. Well, we've settled that. Uh, <laughs> Done. We've, we've solved TV in two sentences. So You know what? Uh, we're taking over. We're taking over the whole thing. Um, Jurassic Park 4 has been in development for quite a long time, uh, but now there's been some, some new uh, movement on it. They've hired the screenwriters of Rise of the Planet of the Apes to uh, pen the new screenplay for it. Spielberg is not directing, but he is producing it along with Kathleen Kennedy. Um, I think that's a good omen for Jurassic Park. If only uh, that Rise of the Planet of the Apes showed that these two particular writers, but also let's not forget the director, Rupert Wyatt, but those uh, two writers were able to reinvigorate, basically resurrect a dead franchise and add humanity to a, a a story that could have just been all special effects. So if they can do anything similar to that with Jurassic Park, uh, which you know I I liked one and three. I didn't really care for two, but I'll yeah. I'll, I'll have to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a few years. Um, I think three gets way unnecessarily yeah. shot on. Yeah, three is actually a fine little like B movie. <laughs> if it came out in the fifties, it'd be like a cult classic. It's kind of what it's kind of actually like what I wanted one to be more. I wanted yeah. less kids and more killing. I mean, one has a lot of like long talky stretches of just yeah. like you know, grandpa and all that shit. There's and then, also that whole you know, there's also that whole like computer room and you yeah, know, hang on to your butts, all, all that, that stuff. all that stuff. You know, there's there's a lot of that, but and, there's also a lot of like aliens kind of knockoff moments of people running down gang planks and, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, I, I never want to see another movie where there are guys with guns and and flashlights at the end of it walking down a hall <laughs> um, um, seriously every single video game you'll ever play too yeah. has that element yeah. in it uh speaking of video games and movies splinter oh, oh. cell oh a segue and you didn't even mean to make one i walked right into it splinter cell uh, Paramount apparently eyeing uh, that project, they, uh, the the rights to it. Um, you know, they they have an existing relationship with Tom Clancy uh, from his Jack Ryan uh, properties. You know, I guess. <laughs> speaking of Paramount, I mean, they, they they could be a good studio for it, considering they've. I feel like they've done a fairly decent job with the Jack Ryan movies, but you know, Splinter Cell also could kind of be maybe another Mission Impossible type franchise if done right. It's got that um it's got, you know, it could it could go many directions. It's it's militaristic. There you could go a kind of born direction with it. You yeah. could kind of go Mission Impossible direction with it. Um, you know, it it could be any number of things. Um Do you think that now is that a property that is dependent on a star playing? I think the hero. I think or, in or- the hero. The hero. When it's time to change, I don't know what happened just there, folks. I can assure you, my sack dropped a long time ago. Wow! Thank yeah. you for that. TMI. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David and his buddy are talking? To him. He starts nicknaming him Long Ball Larry because he's old now. And when you get older, it's, never mind. <laughs> All right. 
We'll just end that part of the conversation. Right? I, I'm not the one drinking the cup full of cocaine <laughs> coffee over there either. Um, so is it dependent on a star? I think for the mainstream, you do have to cast somebody known. Um, but, you know, there is a built-in audience. The interesting element to that for me is Ubisoft. They had this whole thing where they're working there. You know, well, I think they want slash production company. Yeah, thing. well, I think they realize though that they they're going to need some working capital, and um, they probably don't know how to distribute or market a movie. Right. Uh, I think they want control, but they don't want to have to spend their own money on the those things. I think it's the Marvel model for video game companies that want to get in yeah. on something. You know, they, they you, you start producing your own films and then you get other partners to help distribute them and do all the stuff that you can't do or don't want to do. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, that that one is going to be so reliant on casting yeah. Sam Fisher. Like, I, I feel like, you know, you look at the, the new Bourne movie and they have Jeremy Renner and and he was also in Mission Impossible Four, and I feel like he would have been kind of a you know an interesting actor, somebody who's uh, a legit actor, but is also you know can can do some action if need be. Um, I don't know quite who you would cast in that role. People say Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Ah, he's box office poison. But I, I I personally don't think he can carry it. I think. I don't know. It's 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 a rough one. It's that in between time. Well, how old is the character supposed to be? He's in his like I think he's in his like mid forties. That's what he seems See, like at least. He's not going to be that unless you get Brad Pitt. They're well, not going to. go I think that they're old probably going to cast somebody in his thirties. You know, yeah. you're not going to go up to like. Clooney range, you know, you're, yeah. you're going to come down from that a little bit. So um, it'll be interesting to see who they who they pick for something like that. I, you know, I, I feel like. To not alienate some of the fans of the franchise, you don't want to go too young because yeah. unless you're talking about him as the person, you know, like a story of what he becomes later, you know, yeah. like you're like going back, flashing back to his youth. I don't think it's a good idea. Now, there are also no, 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 there are also some rumors that uh, the new game Watch Dogs could maybe get a movie. I mean, there's yeah. been some scuttlebutt about, you know, um, uh, different copyrights trying to be made and stuff like that. So that that was our movie, that was our game of E3 and essentially what the game is, for those of you who um, don't follow the video game half of our coverage, is about um, basically the entire world and especially the United States is all linked in via computers Um, and uh, and so in order to uh, it's kind of like a revolutionary thing. Like there's evil corporation that controls everything, but you as a uh, sort of hacker can hack the world. So you can you can kind of hack into any part of the city and control that part of the city. So it's got this like cool implications for, you know, like one solo man against the corporation kind of thing. And yeah. It's got some like cyberpunk uh, <laughs> that you, if you can even use that phrase anymore, cyberpunk elements. Um, but that's one that could go either way too, and I—I I mean, I think if they're developing that movie, they've got to be developing it alongside the game, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, we probably won't see that one for a long time. Well, I do feel like there's so many of these video game things that other uh, video game movies that get announced or something is, you know, uh, some some sort of uh, rights are picked up, but then nothing happens. Like, remember Dead Island? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that just you now. You know, it's it's where's that? Uh, especially if World War Z. Tanks. I mean, does that 
basically I, kill that movie? I think Dead Island could be a good movie, actually. Um, I actually started going back and playing it uh, last week, and it's got this really, you know, it's it's got a sort of like island vibe to the zombie terror. It's almost like, hey, this is what would happen right after the credits for Dawn of the Dead for the um, <laughs> Zack Snyder movie. You know, they get it's to true. this island, um, if, if only it were more of a jungle setting. But this is a jungle setting, and there's all these, like, uh, corrupt humans running around trying to, you know, capitalize on this tragedy. Um, and then in <laughs> That would never happen. That, yeah, never what happen. a fantasy. Um, and in addition to that, you, you're, you're dealing with the zombie element. Um, and <clears> even, <throat> even more interesting zombie take that's going on in games right now of zombie-ish take is the human element, which is talking about sort of the idea of what will happen after the zombie apocalypse and how you pick up from that. Um, and that's got some really Well, I mean, Walking cool... Dead has basically been exploring that. No, or... after it's over. Like, like how do you when pick... it's all just yeah. zombies left you... in the world? No, no. Well, I mean, how do you pick up the pieces? Let's say you put down the zombies. How do you pick up the pieces after that? Um so that's an interesting, know, that that's is, an interesting uh, you know, take on I it. I think it was io9 had a piece on um, sort of the the virus, the, how rabies basically is the um, the the real world kind of uh, um, jumping off point for the idea of, of zombies and mm-hmm. the effects that it has on people. And it was really, you know, it was really interesting piece to read. I feel like that, uh, you know, that's actually kind of the premise for 28 Days Later. Yeah. That's where they start Which that was from. just on the other night. I yeah. was watching I know, it. I know, I know. I saw part of it. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's move along here. Mad Max 4 Fury Road has cast uh, three sexy uh, leading ladies as uh, characters called the the brides, uh, among them Zoe Kravitz from X Men First Class, Riley Keough, who just happens to be Elvis's granddaughter, and on, Ro- <laughs> Rosie Huntington Whiteley from You Loved Her in Transformers Three, and you you love her in the Victoria's Secret catalogs, so she's in that movie too. I don't love her any of those places, but I, I, oh, I don't like I don't like this. Uh... I'm actually not a fan of really this trio of actresses, but that's... that's <laughs> well, I haven't seen Riley Keough act in anything, but I want to meet her just because I feel like that would be as close as I'd get to ever meeting Elvis. Probably the closest you'll get. Yeah. Probably. And if I could... Never mind. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't say it. Paranormal Activity 4 has started filming. We're going to call it Pa 4 from now pa on. Pa 4. <laughs> uh, paraformal Activity? Para... Oh. I don't know. Do you remember that um, Max Hedrum song... Paranoia. No. It was out during the Max Headroom craze, and I used to listen to... Did you listen to Dr. Demento when you were a kid? I mean, it really wasn't a thing. It uh, uh, wasn't Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento. Uh, it was um, It was this radio well, didn't he show. Do, uh, yeah, but didn't he do, like, Star Trekking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I knew that one, but I, I don't think I really got exposed to his stuff until I was so, in yeah, college. So, yeah, there's, like, Paranoia, this song about, with Max Headroom quotes in it. And every time I hear the word paranormal, I think of Paranoia. So thank you, whoever <laughs> wrote that song. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Demento, like, shaped my youth. Weird Al Yankovic and all the novelty songs, you know. Fish and if you guys uh, don't remember this, Weird Al did visit our office uh, several yeah, months ago, and awesome. we have some photos of us. Probably, with him. An, probably a year ago at this point. See, it's still so lodged in my memory. It's like as if he was just here. Like I said, I think we talked about this once before on this podcast, but there are very few people who get me sort of starstruck. I don't really. Th- th- that's not a thing. But um, 
Weird Al was one of them for sure. I was well, I like, forget wow. who who was it. I think it was Fowler who said it was like meeting Bugs Bunny. Like he's real. <laughs> I know it's weird. It's exactly what you would expect. It was kind of like that. I, I met Adam West once, and it was exactly. Like Bruce Wayne on the show, he was wearing like the yellow cardigan and everything. It was like it's holy crap, amazing. Other people um, at when I was at Can, uh, um, Bill Murray came backstage and everybody lost their shit. Man. Yeah, that it was would do it. it was okay. like it was like everybody's like looking at each other and like looking around. Um, somebody went up. One of the journalists went up and like asked for his autograph. It was really tacky. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> I can't remember this comment he made to the guy. It was it was it was well. I love really the awesome. um, you know everybody is I'm sure has seen it at this point. But the you know the the fan that asked for his autograph and instead they did the whole slow mo walking down the hall thing. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, okay, so let, I'm going to rattle off a few news items. We don't necessarily have to comment on all of them, but. Um, uh, let's start with How to Train Your Dragon 2. Kit Harrington, uh, you know him as Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, is going to voice the role of the villain in the movie. Mind you, they're still doing a How to Train Your Dragon uh, TV series as well. That, that guy's uh, stock has risen considerably. Oh, my God, yeah. He's going to be casting a lot of stuff. In that. And he's also uh, one of the stars in the upcoming Silent Hill Revelation 3D. So that's another movie we'll be covering a lot of here. And the months ahead, Django Unchained, Jonah Hill has joined the cast. Now, he was um, he was one of the actors that Tarantino had tried for a long time to get in the film, but the schedules weren't working out. Well, apparently there's been a gap in the schedule, and uh, at least in, in Jonah's schedule, and he's able to join the cast. And he's going to play, I believe, um, uh, the the man who buys Jamie Foxx's wife, who's a slave. Hmm. I think that's the character. I forget at this point. Sorry about that, folks. I should have been a little more prepared with that. Way to go, man. Uh, Baywatch. Rumor has it, the movie version, that Paramount wants to cast Justin Timberlake as an ex-Olympic swimmer. Yes. Who takes a job on the beach and that there will be roles for Hasselhoff and Pam Anderson if they so want them. I think um, are they doing the tongue in cheek approach? Are they doing actual? God, straight? I, I hope so. I, I would I hope mean, so too. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be awesome if they if they do it tongue in cheek. I think it could be really funny if, yeah. they, if they take <laughs> the twenty one Jump Street approach to it. It could yeah. be really funny. Yeah, it could. If actually, they're trying yeah. to play it like straight. It's going to be like an episode of VIP, <laughs> which is not necessarily a terrible thing. Um, Sesame Street. That's yes. they're they're working on a big screen version of that. Doesn't it seem weird that we haven't had a Sesame Street movie? We had Follow That Bird, which is a big bird movie. That was the only yeah. theatrical release of a Sesame Street ish movie. Doesn't it seem? Yeah, it seems strange that it doesn't have like yeah. an existing movie franchise. I mean, and you know, I, I think I think that speaks somewhat to the show's integrity. You know, I, I think yeah. it is an educational show. I think they're not like out there trying to pimp the characters so much. But uh, do you think well, the, maybe do you Elmo. think more? More kids are familiar with Sesame Street than they are the Muppets. Yes. Okay. I mean, I think it's still a staple of growing up for kids even now. Yeah. Like I, 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 I mean, not as much as when we were kids because I feel like when, when I was a kid, we had like four channels. And yeah. one of them was PBS, and that's where Sesame Street played, and I watched it every single day. I mean, day. the only the real kind of kid shows that you had, I'm talking for, you know, preschoolers through you know maybe the age of seven would be romper room 
Electric Company, Sesame Street. Yep. It's three to one contact. Uh, see, we had that one, but I never watched it. Captain Kangaroo. Captain Captain Kangaroo. Yeah, but we also, oddly enough, we had. I don't even know if these were reruns, like from a, a bygone era, if they were actually new shows. But Bozo the Clown. Yeah, I had Bozo. And then, uh, <laughs> I used to walk around the house saying, "Bozo, be on." <laughs> <laughs> God, I, I can actually see you doing that. I also thing. was a huge fan of the Tarzan animated show on Oh, TV yeah. When yeah. I was a kid. But yeah. I, I used to like it, and, and Mauro, when he was here, We I think we talked about this in a couple of podcasts, big fan of the, remember the uh, Ron Ely or Eli, I, I forget how he says his name, live action show. He was the guy, he used to host uh, Face the Music, and he played Doc Savage in the movies. Mm. And uh, he was a, a former Olympic swimmer, became an actor. And so, you know, he was basically just like this, you know, square-jawed hunk running through the jungle. But he would do this whole, like the opening credits, I think, was him, like, diving off of a waterfall. (laughs) Because he was an Olympic swimmer, you know, he could really do that stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah, so. I kind of remember that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of hazy from my youth. But my favorite shows when I was a kid kid were Sesame Street and uh, Tarzan and Bozo and Starsky and Hutch. (laughs) <laughs> I and did then, like Starsky and Hutch. I also liked T.J. Hooker. And then later, uh, T.J. Hooker, I never got to watch. But my mom, uh, I used to watch um, Batman on the TV all the time. Oh yeah, Adam and, Watts, and Batman, um, yeah. Star Trek with my mom. My mom loves Star Trek, still yeah. does. And then the other one is, um, uh, oh, I loved Mash when I was a kid too. I was weird. My parents wouldn't let me watch certain things, though. They were very arbitrary. I couldn't watch, like, Gilligan's Island because it was stupid, apparently, to them. <laughs> so I still have never well, seen... Well, it was stupid. I've never they seen were, they were an right. episode of Gilligan's Island. Are you shitting me? Never seen one. You had at least watched the one with the quote-unquote ghosts. Or... That, the, the ghost sound effect in that scared the hell out of me for years. <laughs> or Three Stooges. Never seen a full episode of Three Stooges anything. Um, okay, let's move along here with the news. Uh, Man of Steel, Hans Zimmer is going to do the score. Um, of course, What's he's that guy ever done. Yeah, that that hack. That hack. Um, he's uh, scoring Dark Knight Rises, which we'll talk about uh, in a moment. And then he's also, um, you know, of course, he did Gladiator and all that. So it, it does seem like stylistically a very different uh, kind of sound approach to. Superman scores that we're used to. I mean, uh, obviously, Superman Returns tried to harken back to the John Williams score. Um, what do you What do you think? Do you think Hans Zimmer is maybe too conventional a choice for that? I don't know. I, I, I I'm I'm a little worried that I'm going to miss that John Williams cue. You know. Yeah, but I do feel like it's they need a complete break. I do too. That's I, part of the problem with uh, I, Superman Returns is it was too beholding. They absolutely do, but I I guarantee I'm going to sit there and be like, that's still to, for me is probably the best superhero movie score ever. Was yeah, the John Williams one. Yeah, I, agree. I love the Danny Elfman Batman stuff, but that Superman score it just it just makes you kind of misty eyed. Dude, all his stuff, all his stuff from that era was was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, like he's made. He's probably made a bigger impact on sort of classical music than anybody since, like, well, he's also, a long time ago. I mean, he's as important a figure in that sort of new kind of golden age of movie making in the 70s and 80s as any of those key directors, as, yeah. as much as a, a, a Spielberg or Scorsese or any of those people. I mean, John Williams' music shaped sort of the the popular imagination when you like today uh there's a you know a video going around of um 
the MacGyver opening music, but using Indiana Jones footage. <laughs> so it's an Indiana Jones MacGyver mashup. And Indiana Jones does, does not look cool when cut to the MacGyver music. <laughs> but when you hear that, you know, dun, 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 I mean, how can you not want to just go jump on a horse and, and chase down a truck? Dude, the freaking Star Wars stuff. Oh, yeah. That, it, you know, like the final, I, I have to say, as an adult, when I when I want went and watched the like sort of victory celebration the ceremony after they blow up the Death Star like as an adult when they did the re-release in theaters and they played that theme I was like I'm gonna cry <laughs> they they did it <laughs> um, Dumb and Dumber Two not happening Jim Carrey said it's well, uh, he's, he's he's no longer happening. involved but Jeff Daniels. Today was caught on camera. I think it was like TMZ or somebody asked him, and he's like, "No, nah, it's dead. If Jim's not doing it, I'm not doing it. So it's mm. dead." So uh, I, I, I'm not terribly upset that Dumb and Dumber Two is not happening. I'm a little like it would have been kind of interesting to see, but um, I, I don't think it would have been as good. And I don't think I, the Farrelly brothers are what they were 20 years ago. Either. And also, I don't think movies are what they were 20 years ago. When you have something that's like. Like uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. That movie, super sharp, like witty, and jokes happening all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, current Farrelly Brothers can't hang with that kind of comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think there's really a play. I, have they ever done TV series? I don't. I don't know. I don't. Think I wonder so. if they would try their hand at, like, say, producing a TV series. I don't know that. You know, I. Yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is, but and I, Three Stooges felt like really not of this era, and it made them feel even less of this era. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Metal Men, a 1960s DC comic that these characters still pop up. Uh, you know, they, they were in Batman, Brave and the Bold cartoon and stuff. But Barry Sonnenfeld, director of Men in Black, uh, is going to turn them into a, he's going to direct the movie version of that um, I find it a little curious only because I know they're not going to look like you know they're probably not going to look like the droids that are you know they're drawn as 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 in the comics they'll probably make them more like you know cyborg types like look right. like people um, it's got the potential to maybe be kind of a cool kind of tongue in cheek robots meets X-Men type thing or it could just be a disaster or it could be like, you know, mystery men. Um, yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in that project. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. Uh we'll see. Uh Daredevil, uh director David Slade said that it's not gonna be in three D and he also shot down rumors that Josh Hartnett, who starred in Thirty Days of Night for him, was up for the role of Matt Murdoch. How do you like how do you like um David Slade for Daredevil? There's worse people you could pick. I mean, I still love Hard Candy. 30 Days of Night, I didn't loathe like everybody else did. Um, I thought it was mediocre, medium Yeah, I medium mean, it's level. just, yeah, it's just, it's a journeyman horror movie, you know? I like that and, he can and go... And Twilight down. Eclipse was probably the, the best... The of, highlight of that series. Yeah, yeah you know? I, I like that he can go dark, um, because I really do think that... I th- really think that Daredevil has to maintain... Some darkness, some edge to but, it. But you know, the Daredevil movie, as crappy as it was, it was dark. Yeah, no, I know, you know, I know. But I would like to see it go even darker. I think, and man, they just have to get somebody like without... Barry Lyndon dark, like <laughs> candlelight. <laughs> they have to get somebody whose head isn't a square. You know, that's... <laughs> I hated that Daredevil suit. Here's the thing: I didn't mind 
Ben Affleck as Matt Murdock at all. Like, I think it was fine. Then he got in the suit, and I was like, this just isn't believable. You know what's oddly enough? I think Ben Affleck would be a better director for Daredevil than he would be the star of it. Because, yeah. I mean, he's shown he can do dark, gritty, kind of street-level movies. Yeah, sure. I, th- I think he would actually be a pretty interesting choice. What would you think of the town? I love the town. Yeah, I thought I it was – I, I saw it, you know, a couple of months ago, and I thought it was really my, – my only weak point for that movie was Blake Lively. I thought she was kind of like – See, I, I liked her. I was just actually talking with somebody at a junket about her who had a lot of tales to tell out of school about <laughs> young Miss Lively. Oh, tabloid-esque of nature, but I won't get into that. Yeah, please don't. Um, but uh, basically, you know, she reminded me of a lot of girls I went to school with. Yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm not from that neighborhood, but she she rang through to me, but I, I think her character more is just sort of, you know, she's pretty pathetic. In yeah. That movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. I just didn't believe her in that role. I think that's what it was. And, yeah. and that's maybe... See, I never, I, I've never really watched Gossip Girl, so I don't... Uh, yeah. For me, I only knew her from that movie and Green Lantern. Yeah, I watched part of season one of Gossip Girl, and then she kind of got cemented in that world for me. Yeah. What's going to be interesting is seeing her in Savages, because I think that is... That's another one of those, like, world-expanding roles. I hope that movie is, you know, something that kind of allows Oliver Stone to... You know, maybe do some more kind of darker but commercial. Be commercial. Fare. Be Tony Scott. You but, know? but here's the thing. I think he tried to do that with the U-turn, and I just get that vibe from this movie. It I don't. Be another U-turn. I, I was thinking about that when I was watching the trailer. But then I thought U-turn was just kind of goofy. This movie doesn't look goofy at all. Yeah. You know, I'm there, seeing it, I think, Monday. So I can there's no up. element of goofiness to it. So I, I'm like. I haven't read the book either. I mean, the book apparently is quite good. I was thinking about trying to read it this weekend, but you know what I was thinking about doing? Something other than reading Savages this weekend. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. Uh, Taken two. The trailer is out. What'd you think of it? I thought it okay. I thought it kicked ass until he got back on the phone. I know somebody <laughs> in the comments had said this too. Like, you know, when he starts breaking it down, your mother's going to get taken. I was like, ah. Oh, Come on, man. That's formulaic. Yeah. But um, wait, you were expecting this to go against formula? Wasn't the whole no, point no. of the first taken was that it, it would have been just a cheesy Stephen Skull movie, except Liam Neeson classed it up? Yeah, I mean, I think we were we were kicking that around in the office that that's that's how that movie played out. But you know what? Um, the first movie was was nice and tense, and I thought it moved at a brisk pace, and it was better as a result. Um, but this is also much more of a Maggie Grace-centric kind of It seems story. like it, it looks, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't... And she is lovely, and I interviewed her at WonderCon, but I'm not sure if... You know, her character was the most grating in the original movie. I don't know if she's really the one I want to... And in Lost. Of, yeah. I don't want to really latch on to her for the... Yeah. F, you know, for as the sort of anchor for that story. I also think that that's not really what audiences are in it for, if that's how they go with it. I think people just want to see Liam Neeson on his own, like, taking dudes apart, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. That's what it's that movie is about. It's funny that this guy has become like his Charles, his generation's Charles Bronson. I love it, point. man. Like he was a certain thing up to a point, and then Taken happened. Now yeah, he was like, like the, the, this kind of like sweet Irish, uh, you know, character actor who could play serious roles. Like if you needed somebody in a period movie who wasn't threatening, really, in a way. If yeah. You think about it. Um, and now suddenly he's just like, I will kill everyone in <laughs> my sight. You can't screw around with him because he's dark, man. <laughs> 
That's true. I freaking love Dark Man. Um, Mandrake, the magician. Oh, God. They're Talk- still trying to make this damn thing. They got some new writers working on it. What, Talk wait. about a project I care nothing about. But what are they thinking? Like, I who's going to go see Mandrake, the magician? If Even if it was just called Mandrake, like, Mandrake, the magician is box office turd right there. Like, that title. So... Even I mean, if you just call it Mandrake, how do you how do you make that even that concept kind of work? I don't know. I mean, are you going to make them just sort of like? Is, are you going to go full on magic? Like it's, I was going to say like a sorcerer's apprentice because that worked out so well. <laughs> um, you well, know, or, it's similar to how do you make Doctor Strange work? But Doctor but Strange, see, Doctor Strange has, has a spiritual element, and, and and it's got the Marvel brand. Yeah, and so I mean, it's associated with something. And more people, and people know who the hell Doctor Strange is. More people know who Doctor Strange is than know Mandrake the Magician. I think Doctor Strange works if you you have to go full on like dark magic. Full like monsters, all that stuff. That'll settle. Yeah, that that'll that'll pull people into it. I think that would might be on the fence. Mandrake is a, isn't he? A, he's just a dude with a top hat and like a little cape. Yeah, I mean he dresses like a a, a male stripper that would you know <laughs> magic like Mike. If, like if people at Downton Abbey hired a, a male stripper, that's what he would be dressed like. I feel like no. No, thank you. Please, <laughs> and no. <laughs> please don't do that. Um, but Doctor Strange, though, here's the thing. I think as long as Kevin Feige is at Marvel, which is probably for the foreseeable future plus yeah. some years, um, there's going to be a Doctor Strange movie because he's really excited about it. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, if, if friggin' Mandrake the Magician gets a movie before Doc Savage, I'm going to kick Doc someone. Strange. No, Doc Savage, too, the pulp hero, uh, similar uh, uh. era. Oh, know? I thought you were going to say. And if he gets one before Doctor Strange, I'll also kick somebody for that. <laughs> Basically, people are looking at two ass whippings if, <laughs> if Mandrake happens before either of those. What somebody, I... I'm just going to randomly grab some poor bastard and just say, this one's this one's because of Mandrake. What about Kazar? I, I'd be more interested in Kazar, Kazar. How do you Kazar, say? I don't know. I, I'd be more interested in seeing that one, which is ironic that you should say that because I actually have a, a little Tarzan note. Nice. Warner Brothers trying to make a Tarzan movie, and uh, they're apparently one of the directors they're looking at is David Yates, hmm. they had the Warner uh, who did Harry Potter. Bra- Harry, Harry, Harry Brother, <laughs> Harry Potter movies for Warner Brothers. Mickey the Rock, <laughs> Mickey the Rock. Um, so I, I don't know if I, 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 I joked on Twitter that if David Yates does a Tarzan movie, he has to cast Daniel Radcliffe as Jane. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, real sensitive, Jim. Yeah, I'm, I'm all heart like that. D- David Yates, though, is an interesting, uh, an interesting choice because I feel like he's worked in this palette of darkness for all these movies, and yeah. now. Like being in the jungle. I don't know. He's also uh, the movie. Apparently, he's really hot to try to make is this Al Capone story called Cicero, and Tom Hardy is attached to play Capone, and that's not going to be light. So maybe he's he seems like a very sweet, nice Englishman, and maybe he's just got this really like dark side to him. Maybe get him to do Daredevil. Maybe that's why he's sweet. Maybe he gets it all out on the screen. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, let's see here. Dark Knight Rises. Speaking of dark. They uh, Nokia is like a some sort of commercial partner with them on this movie, and they put out a new trailer this week. I'm sure at no point in time does somebody take out a Nokia phone and they zoom in on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, um, but they they put out this new trailer that was much similar in tone and even some of the footage to what they showed at CinemaCon. 
uh, a few months ago. And I really, this was probably, it's kind of met with a bit of a mixed response online, but this may have been my favorite Dark Knight Rises trailer so far. Um, I like some of the TV spots. They're much quicker and quippier, but this one I feel like got much more of a sense of the tone of the movie and the, and the, the soundtrack to it. Oddly enough, by Hans Zimmer. Oddly enough, think about this. We have what? It's about just, a month away now. Just about four weeks, a little less than four yeah, it's weeks. Two weeks or so till Comic Con. Um, don't even get me started on that. And then four <laughs> weeks until Dark Knight Rises. It's crazy. I mean, summer 2012, we're about halfway through it now. Uh, in fact, uh, something I want to do for the site, and I've been meaning to tell you, I kind of want to do like a, a midterm report card mm. on. on on the movie so far, because most of them have been disappointments uh, critically and commercially. Um, you know, except for med- Avengers. Except for Avengers, class, eight, eight I mean, plus. think about it. Avengers, basically, everything was downhill after that. Well, I mean, thank God for Avengers this is this summer, because otherwise the box office would look. I mean, it's it's been up in at times. It's yeah, just, I mean, it, it's Madagascar and Prometheus. Uh, you know, kind of helped it rally back, and Men in Black did okay. You know, but it's it's not it's it's definitely there are a lot of mixed bags to outright kind of bombs this year uh, this summer. I mean, Dark Shadows comes to mind. Yeah. Um, Snow White and the Huntsman is kind of a, a a bright point, but then you have Battleship. Yeah, you know, and Dictator kind of came and went. Yeah, uh, I say Dictator is a flop. Rock think? of Ages. Rock flop, of Ages. Oh, that's my boy. Big flop. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely a, a kind of a mixed bag so yeah, far definitely. this summer. And we'll, we'll see what, what the rest of the summer holds outside of Dark Knight Rises. You know, I'm not really sure how something like Savages is going to play. And even this weekend, uh, you know, Brave is opening up as well as Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Now, uh, we'll, we'll get into our box office prognostication in a moment because i still want to get your your thoughts on the new dark knight rises trailer but um i think this this particular weekend coming up is going to be very important because it'll really put the the pixar brand to the test they don't have um really an established you know it's not a sequel you know so it's not toy story 3 it's not cars 2 yeah uh, and it's their first real more disney fied kind of movie that they've done yeah. and then Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter I think just the title alone is the let's see if this shit works <laughs> you know we'll find out did you know Benjamin Walker the guy who plays Lincoln is Meryl Streep's son-in-law oh no I did not know yeah that. I just found that out it's he's crazy yeah he's married to her daughter huh. and it's just like can you imagine her you know Meryl Streep is going to watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter I would love to watch Meryl Streep watching <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter that shit would spin my head <laughs> you know? yeah that'd be a, you just face her like what if she loves it she's like this thing is fucking great <laughs> screw kramer versus kramer and deer hunter screw I, kramer versus kramer. you know i uh, should i should have been in this um why am i wasting my life on mama mia and the iron lady and i could have been an abraham lincoln vampire hunter mama mia well, my girlfriend movie, loves that movie. That movie, that was a huge hit. Kicked ass. Yeah. I mean, she's a sixty-something-year-old actress, and she has she's much more bankable at this point than a lot of the leading men that are out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know who's uh, the most bankable leading woman of all? 
Kristen Stewart. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah, she's the she's the highest paid actress uh, of the year so far. Uh, I believe she made something like almost forty five million. I thought it was thirty four point. Oh yeah, so yeah, I'm transposing my numbers. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know she beat out the likes of Sheila Roberts, Charlize Theron. Um, Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz, Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, actresses of, of and she's what, 24? 22. 22? She's That's 22. It. She's a baby. I know. That's scary. I mean, you know, we give her a lot of crap for, you know, not being prepared and, and sort of being a little bit like glum and stuff in, in appearances and yeah. she's gotten better. But then you realize that we've been, we've been talking to her since she's probably like 17 and that's a weird – that would be weird. And have the <laughs> like, all the eyes of the world on you as you go through your growing pains? Yeah. I if mean, I was thinking about myself at 17 and how I would do in front of like a bevy of cameras and well, you know, I, what millions would be, of people. I mean even at our age now, you think you're coming across one way and then you watch the video and you're like – I'm a jackass. <laughs> this really sucks. I hate myself. What am I doing? Every every you know inflection of your voice, everything. Now imagine at your most sensitive age when you're a teenager, <laughs> all the world is doing that shit to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I no wonder they end up on drugs. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But um, well, that's enough not oxygen she, I want to spend on her. We're not saying she's on drugs though. Yeah, uh, we're not. We're not. We're not that. saying that at all. Uh, well, let's talk about what's opening up at this weekend's box office. <laughs> oh wait, no! Don't you have any thoughts on Dark Knight Rises trailer? I, uh, all I have to say about all this new footage, and I think it started with the MTV stuff, is that um, it's just like now raising my um, excitement level. Yeah. Like I went through this period of, and I expressed it many times on this podcast, this period of sort of. Um, indifference to the movie, just yeah. kind of like whatever, and a lot of it is due to the to the cycle of news and stuff like that. It just gets to be like we're obsessing over tiny details. Well, do you think that there's a um, a rising, no pun intended, backlash against the movie right now? Yeah, I think there was before. I think people are like kind of getting like don't show us so much footage at this point and yet they were all bitching before that they weren't being shown anything yeah it's like you can't win i i think it's it's just a it's a and it's also a variety of opinions not everybody has the same opinion some people are super psyched give me everything that you have and some people are like i don't want to see anything i just want to go in fresh well uh here's a question and it gets into it's a reader email from g money g money um and it's slightly – my answer might be slightly spoilerish, but he is referring to a shot that's in the, the new trailer. Um, so if you guys don't want to hear this, skip ahead about 90 seconds. Uh, did you guys notice that the 12-second mark, Batman had someone tied to the back, the Bat cycle? Who do you think it is? Um, I trust you guys because you never steered me wrong through all the trailer rewinds that were done. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, G Money. G Money. Um, I believe because there were some, uh, you know, um, uh, like spy shots from the set. The person on the back of the on the back of the uh, the bat uh, of the back of the motorcycle, I think, is Bruce Wayne. Because mm. there 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 was a shot of. Um, Bruce Wayne on the back, Christian Bale in the suit on the back of a motorcycle. Hmm. 
I don't I don't know what that means. Who's driving? It looked like another guy in a suit to me. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, JGL. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until maybe it's maybe it's like the old Adam West TV series and Alfred dresses up as Batman at one point. <laughs> oh, Remember they used to do that and he was like tall and thin, but you no, know, he kind of looked like Batman except he had that silver mustache. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, let's see here. One more reader email from Francis. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name because I don't want to screw it up. He's just got a suggestion. Um, he wants Amber Heard to play the Enchantress in Thor 2. She's not a bad choice, actually. She's not a bad choice. I mean, she looks like the character. But I think you go European, you get somebody a little more mysterious and sort or maybe of... maybe unknown. Or unknown. Like, you know who would probably would have been okay for it but you know no way she would do it now is somebody like a jennifer lawrence mm. um because you know remember thor and loki are both in their 20s right so if you go too old he gets into some sort of interesting milf territory there with enchantress <laughs> you don't want to go milfy um you know and and you don't want her to be the same you know in the, the same age range as uh uh renee russo who plays the mom or Anthony Hopkins. Or Anthony Hopkins. Because that's gilf territory. Yes. Well, yeah, we probably won't be getting uh, Helen Mirren as the Enchantress. <laughs> but if you want to see Helen Mirren as the Enchantress, watch Excelsior. Because mm. she basically plays that <laughs> in that movie. Um, I think that's going to be about it for reader email. Um, sorry, I was trying scrolling through some of your messages, and I feel like we touched upon... Most of those. So let's wrap it up here because I got a screening to get to. Once again, guys, I'm really sorry for my predictions. For yeah, we're going to suck boy. again this week, too. I can, <laughs> I'm can. i just going to come right out and say it. It's I almost becoming like a fun pastime now. Like, how bad will we be at this? All right. We are trained professionals, people. Do not try this at home. Uh, try it. We're not good at it. Opening. <laughs> please help us. <laughs> Brave. Opening this weekend. Abraham Lincoln vampire opening. Obviously, I think Brave will be number one. Now, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old niece, and this shit is already hot-wired into her little brain. She knows who Merida is. She is so psyched for this movie. She's never been to a movie you know, before. Wow. She's just a baby. But it's like Disney does some sort of like kitty inception to every little girl <laughs> across America and plants the shit in their head. I went into the Disney store to buy her something um recently and all these other little girls were in there with their mothers and they all ran straight for the merida stuff and brave so i i'm looking at that i'm like okay clearly one huge segment of the population will go to see this movie this weekend but i still wonder if if the jury is out on you know little boys wanting to go with their parents to see this it does seem much more of a girl-friendly movie, even though I've seen it, and it really is kind of a... I think everybody would enjoy it. It's a good movie. It's not like the, the great classic Pixar that we've come to know and expect and right. love, but it's it's fine. It's per, You know, my niece will love it, and little girls will love it. Uh, it's beautiful looking. Um, our review is up at the site. But I think it's going to be sort of in the range of... Less than what Cars 2 made, uh, which was in the 60s, and maybe a little bit more than Ratatouille made opening weekend, which I think was like $47 million. Hmm. So I'm going to say Brave, number one with $50 million. Okay. And then I'm going to say Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, number two, 
Although I really think the curiosity level on that movie might just be an online phenomenon. Yep. I really don't know if somebody, if they're if they're looking at a movie to go see this weekend, or they're like, yeah, let's go see that Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. No, I think they're going to look at that and be like, eh, let's just go see Prometheus or, you know, would they rather go see Rock of Ages or something? Yeah. But I think Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter, I'm going to say number two with 19 million. Mm-hmm. And then Madagascar 3, third place, 17 million. Prometheus, fourth place, 11 million. I think Rock of Ages will probably hang in there a little better than That's My Boy, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe Snow White and the Huntsman will stay in fifth place, and both yeah. of those will drop down. I'm going to trump you. I'm going to say Brave at 63 million. I have a, I have a. Yeah, it very well could. I mean, faith. I might be lowballing it, but at this point, I have no confidence left in my box office abilities. I have no, I have more faith in the Disney machine. Uh, I think Madagascar three um, last last week was um, thirty four. I think it's going to be what you, around what you said, like seventeen million. Mm-hmm. And I think Abe Lincoln is going to come at it about fifteen million. And then I agree that yeah. Prometheus is going to be. Three. I mean, yeah, Abraham Lincoln could definitely go much lower. It maybe could even. Tank, you know, like a Rock of Ages or That's My Boy with 13 or 14 million, too. I mean, it's definitely it's a huge question mark, but who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, teenage males will turn out in droves to go see that while the little kids and the parents all show up to see Brave, and maybe it'll be a very robust weekend at the box office. You also have some competition between Madagascar 3 and Brave, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel like. You'll get some runoff to Madagascar, which is kind of why I'm thinking it might. Yeah, be because you think about it: if if you can't get in to see Brave, if it's sold out, you're not you know, going to Abe Lincoln. You're not going to Abe Lincoln. You're not going to take him to go see Rock of Ages, or that's my or Prometheus for that matter. Yeah, so. there's pretty much nothing. Look, it's those two people <laughs> that'll go home and Netflix something. Yeah. So I mean, I think Brave. I think Brave will open pretty strong. All right. All right, folks. Well, that's about going to do it for this week's podcast. We'll be coming back at you next week. Um, Give us a shout-out over on iTunes. And then if you have, read or email for us. We'll do our best to get to it in the next podcast. Send it to keepingitreal at IGN.com. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you all next time.